Welcome back, Scouts, to another thrilling episode of the Scouting God Podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here as we dive deeper into the fascinating world of Merit Badge books. Today, we continue our exploration of the life-saving Merit Badge book, uncovering essential skills that can make a difference in emergency situations. Whether you're a seasoned scout honing your life-saving abilities or a newcomer eager to learn, this episode promises to be an adventure filled with valuable insights and practical knowledge. So buckle up your life jackets and get ready to embark on part three of the life-saving merit badge journey. But before we jump into today's episode, I want to remind you to hit that follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. By doing so, you'll never miss an episode and stay up to date with all the thrilling content we have in store for you. And that's not all. Make sure to follow the Scouting God podcast on Instagram and Facebook, where you'll get updates on the latest episodes and exciting scouting news. Now let's continue our adventures into the world of life-saving skills, where every badge we can earn brings us closer to becoming the heroes or our community needs. So without further ado, let's dive right into part 3 of the Life-Saving Merit Badge book and equip ourselves with the knowledge to make a difference when it matters the most. And for any of you following along, we are on page 40. A motorboat should head into the wind when approaching a victim to prevent the boat from being blown into him. As you cover the last few feet, disengage the prop, throw the victim a PFD, and give clear instructions. Extend a boat hook or paddle and pull him in the side or stern with motor off, where he can be helped onto the boat when, when calm. Even if you have never rowed a boat, paddled a canoe, or started an outboard, you still may be able to use a boat on your own for a successful rescue. Get in the front of the boat and paddle, stroking first on one side and then on the other. This will work with rowboats, canoes, small powerboats, and other boats. If the sail is down, you can make headway in a wind when you might otherwise be shoved off course. Now, consider what will happen if you leave the boat in a gentle breeze. A light boat, such as a canoe, will drift faster than you can swim, especially if you have the victim in tow. If you kick the boat away when you enter the water, it will not only cause it to drift away faster, but you may also lose orientation. The best solution to have two rescuers in the boat. One can hold the boat's position and guard the other rescue safety. If two rescuers are not available, you can use the line is attached to the boat. You can also hold on a tie line or a painter if the water is not too deep. Again, plan ahead. If a coil rope is nearby, throw it onto the boat before heading out. Someone may have heard your earlier cries for help and now will be at the scene. If you are alone and the victim submerges, call out again for someone to bring another boat. If you recover someone who has not stopped breathing, don't wait to start rescue breathing. Begin at the boat. You may be able to support a victim in the stern, particularly if you're on a large boat with a swimming platform. Otherwise, bring him aboard. If his condition is further complicated by a lack of poles, then a rigid support will be needed for complete CPR. Use your judgment as the best course of action, depending on the type of boat, the number of rescuers, and the distance to shore. Pinpointing a victim's location. Always watch the victim as you approach him in case he submerges. The further you are from the victim, the harder it will be to keep track of where he went down. As you approach the line up the victim with two marks on the shore, a shorter one in front 
and in front of a taller one. If you later become confused about the victim's location, you will know that he was near the line defined by the two objects. Note that two fixed points are required to define the line. The two points can be part of the same object, the front and back of a car, for example. If you line the victim only with the boat and one object on shore, you can travel in a circle after the victim disappears. The only way to pinpoint a location on the water is for two or more people to align objects with the victim from different locations. The spot where the lines of sight cross is where the person went down. You should serve as a second spotter if someone else has already begun a rescue. Swimming Resources the final option of the order of the methods of rescue, following the reach, throw, and row, is go. That could mean two different actions. Either you will go for help, because the rescue is too difficult or dangerous to attempt alone, or you go in the water to perform a swimming assist, ideally using a floating aid. Swimmers' assists can be dived into two classes, depending on the need to touch or contact the victim. In non-contact rescues, the victim grasps the rescuer aid you give him. In contact rescues, you grasp the victim in the aid. Non-contact rescues are the first choice for active victims. Contact rescues are usually used only for unconscious victims. Each type of rescue technique discussed in this pamphlet has been more complicated and has required more skills than one discussed before. Several factors are involved in swimming rescues. An overview will be provided first, then more details. Non-contact and contact rescuers follow the same steps. Assessment, equip, equipment selection, injury approach, ready position, assistant landing, and aftercare. Assessment. You will have assessed the victim's condition while continuing what type of rescue to use. Now that you have chosen a swimming rescue, concentrate on the condition of the water. Judge the depth, temperature, currents, and any other obstacles such as weeds. Locate a safe spot to get out. Consider removing clothing to make the rescue easier and quicker. Don't enter the water until you have a plan that is safe for both you and the victim. Proceed only if you appear to be in the most qualified rescuer available. Seek help from others as needed. Equipment selection. A buoyant aid, that is one that is floats, is best, but there are other items can be useful. The aids are the same as those used for reaching and throwing rescuers, including rescue tu rescuing tubes, life jackets, ring buoys, inner tubes, air mattresses, surfboards, shirts, and towels. Entry. The best way to enter the water depends on the type of shore, the water depth, the condition of the victim, and the aid being used. Choices include a walking or running beach entry, sliding into the water from a sitting position, a stride jump, or a feet first jump. Dives are seldom used. Remove bulky clothes before you enter the water. If wearing your PFD is part of your plan, put it on before you go in. Approach. Shout encouragement and clear instruction to the victim. Use a breaststroke or crawl, modified as needed. Observe the victim often. For non-contact rescues, approach the facing the victim. Balance the need for speed against the energy you will need on the return. Approach victim of spinal injury who care so as not to cause unnecessary movement. Steps in a swimming assistant. Assessment. Don't enter the water until you have a plan that is safe for both you and the victim. Equipment selection. Buoyant aids are best, but even a shirt is better than no aid. Entry. The injury depends on water, clarity, and depth. Condition of subject and type of aid. Approach. Shout encouragement to the victim. Keep the victim's location pinpointed. Modify breaststroke or crawl to carry aid. Ready position. Evaluate the victim's condition. Instruct the victim in what to do. Present aid. Assistance. 
Either escort the victim to safety or tow him with the end. Make contact only if the victim is unconscious or injured. Landing. Assist the subject from the water. Getting help from bystanders if needed. Aftercare. Arrange appropriate medical aid. Ready position. When close to the victim, 6 to 10 feet, stop in front of him and be ready to back up if necessary. That is, if he panics and tries to grab you, talk to the victim, reevaluate the situation, and present your aid. Assist. Decide on the method that best suits your equipment, the victim, and water conditions. If you have a buoyant aid that will support the victim, float it to him. Be sure that it makes contact with the victim's hands. He might not be able to reach for it. Assure that the victim that he will be alright if he holds onto the float. After he has a secure grip, instruct him to kick. Stay nearby with his vision as both of you move to on to shore. Continue to encourage his movements. In this in the procedure, an accompanied rescue, you escort the victim rather than tow him. The victim is in control of the device and can adjust it for the most support. The victim is not in a position where he can or would grab you. The, if the victim can, can't make progress towards the shore, perhaps because of current waves or exhaustion, you can take hold of the float and tow the victim. Be sure that you tow the victim what you intend. It will also be necessary to tow the victim if you use a non-buoyant aid such as a shirt or towel. More details on how to tow the victims will be given later. Landing. Direct the victim to the closest point where you can safely lead the water. In non-contact rescues, the victim probably can help himself onto dry land. You may need to provide a shallow water assistance by leading the victim, put an, an arm around your shoulder. Unconscious victims may be removed from the water using a beach drag on a sloping bottom or a vertical lift at the edge of a pool or dock. Victims with a spinal injury require special expertise and equipment. Each of these procedures will be explained later. Aftercare. Make sure those who need medical aid get it, particularly if a medical condition leads to the problem in the water. You may need to give first aid or shock or hypothermia while waiting for advanced aid. Unconscious victims will probably need immediately CPR. Note that anyone who has inhaled water or has been unconscious needs medical evaluation. Insists that they seek medical care even if they seem fine. If the in incident involves a lack of judgment, offer positive suggestions for preventing future problems. Ideally, do this in private and after the initial excitement is over. Equipment Selection Equipment choices will depend on the situation and location. State laws often require owners to post rescue aids such as separates, corks, and ring buoys. At unguarded hotels and apartment pools, home pools also should have rescue devices close at hand. Recreational swimmers often use a variety of buoyant items such as swim tubes, airfoam mattresses, kickboards, foam roads. Other flotation aids such as a life jacket, ring buoys, and cushions will be on hand in marinas or on float trips. Rescue aids may be harder to find on hiking trails, near rivers and canals. Look for picnickers with ice chests and water jugs, or even tablecloths. In a pinch, use the clothes you are wearing. When you have a choice of aids, weigh the time needed to reach a distance and against your ability to use a less suitable item nearby. If you are wearing a PFD, leave it on and carry a second flotation device. If you have only one PFD, consider the victim's condition. If the victim is active, it is probably best to carry the PFD and push it towards him for support. If the victim is unconscious, it will be easier to tow him if you wear the PFD. Entries. 
carefully considered the best location to enter the water. If you can, get closer to the victim by first running along the shoreline or edge of the pool, then do so. Take care not to trip or fall. Also, keep watch on the victim. If the bank is irregular or covered by dense vegetation, swimming from your present location might be the best. In lakes, look for weeds or submerged trees in the water. Find a clear approach to the victim. In rivers, allow for the current and enter upstream of the victim. Disturbing for rescues. A swimming rescue may require a lot of energy. Swimming while supporting another person, even with a floating aid, can be exhausting, and speed is needed for the victim if not breathing. Discard any heavy clothing such as jacket and boots before you enter the water. The time it takes will be regained easily through your increased ease of swimming. How much to discard depends on the situation. Boots, heavy jeans, and bulky sweaters probably need to be removed. Then, summer clothes often don't. If an unconscious victim is floating in a small pool, time is critical and the distance to safety may be only 6 feet or so. In this case, you might leave on shorts, t-shirt, and tennis shoes. If the shore or warm water are rough enough, cluttered, it may be best to have shoes on. If the weather and water are cold, clothing may help conserve body heat. Consider the extra warmth versus the extra weight in cold and isolated areas. It may be useful to leave some dry clothes on, such as a jacket waiting on shore. If you are in doubt, it is probably best to dis disrobe at least partially. Once you are in the water, clothing is much harder to remove. Quickly removing clothing is discussed later under Shirtal Rescue. Beach Entry Water is often shallow and at the edge of a lake, river, or ocean. If the shoreline is clear and sandy, enter at a run, holding your rescue aid out of the water and lifting your legs high to avoid tripping. Service and start swimming. If your aid is awkward but buoyant, such as a large inner tube, you might throw it ahead of you. If current or waves won't sweep it away, if the bottom is rocky or muddy, you will need to proceed more cautiously. If there are no waves, you may wish to start swimming in fairly shallow water, especially if you can lie on your aid. Ease and entry. There are several ways to enter deep water from the edge of a pool, dock, or low bank. At any time the bank is irregular, the water is murky, the depth is shallow, or you are unsure how deep it is, you must carefully slip into the water, no matter how quickly the victim needs help. If the water is shallow, it may be best to wade in until the water is around waist deep. Be alert for sudden drop-offs, hidden obstacles, or change in the current. If the bottom is rocky and irregular, weedy or soft enough to sink in, you might wish to crouch and begin swimming in fairly shallow water. If weeds are present, lie on your float, keep your legs near the surface, and make slow, wide movements. Leaping Entry the leaping entry or side jump lets you keep the victim in sight as you enter deep water. It can be used from low heights, less than 3 feet, into un unobstructed water at least 5 feet deep. Begin as if you were trying to reach the victim in one giant step. Spring outward while leaning slightly forward with your legs in a scissor position and your arms outstretched. Move out, not up. Snap your legs together as they enter the water, and push down on your arms to keep your head above water. It takes practice to properly time the downward thrust of the arms. Generally, if you use a buoyant aid, you can throw it ahead of you before you leap in. However, be aware that the wind waves or current could carry it away. If the aid has a shoulder loop, hold the float in excess line into the side as you jump, then re it in midair. 
You can place a rescue tube under your arms and hold it to your chest. If you use a garment or towel as an aid, loop it around your neck with the free hands over your shoulders. You can also hold one end in your teeth and dangle the other one from a shoulder. Feet first entry. Use a feet for entry for heights from 3 to 5 feet into deep, unobstructed water. If you are more than 5 feet above the water, find a lower place to enter. The feet first entry is done in a vertical position with your legs together and your knees slightly bent, and your feet relaxed. Do not point your toes or lock your knees in case you hit the bot bottom. The entry is also known as a compact jump. If you bend your legs as if you are sitting in a chair. Keep your head up and your eyes on the victim, but be ready to plunge beneath the surface. If you have thrown your equipment ahead of you, your arms should be at your sides. If you are wearing a PFD, fold your arms tightly across your chest and grasp the shoulders or sides of the PFD to hold it in place. If you are carrying a rescue tube or other sod buoyant device, squeeze it tightly to your chest under your arms. Secure any line so that they do not entangle your legs or snag anything on the bank. Throw a rigid rescue device into the water, clear of your entry point. Do not hold it close to your chest. You also may use the feet first entry when you see a victim on the bottom in deep water close to the side. Enter the water with your arms at your sides. If you need to go deeper, push your arms up in a feet first surf surface dive. Do not use a head first dive from the side to recover a victim from the bottom unless you are absolutely sure that the water is more than 7 feet deep. This is seldom the case in a small backyard or hotel pools. Approaches. The approach will generally be in a straight line from the entry point to the victim. Always watch the victim closely when approaching a conscious victim. Give instructions and encouragement. Adapt your swimming stroke to the victim's condition, the condition of the water, and the type of aid you are carrying, and the distance. If the distance is fairly short, a head-up breaststroke is the most versatile. You can swim with a buoyant aid such as a rescue tube beneath your arms. If it is too awkward, push the rescue device with one of both hands. You may also tow the aid using a side stroke or lie on a larger item, such as a surfboard, and propel it with your arms. You can use a crawl if the rescue device can be carried under the arms or is equipped with a shoulder strap and tow line. A crawl with the rescue device it trailed behind is generally the fastest approach over an extended distance. If speed is critical, you can increase your speed by doing the crawl and down. Even then, be sure to look ahead frequently. Use either the breaststroke or the crawl. If the only available rescue aid is a shirt or towel, loop the garment around your neck or hold one end of it in your teeth. You can use either stroke if you have decided to wear a P PFT as the best option to rescue an unconscious victim. At times, the details of the approach stroke will be un unimportant. For example, in many backyard apartment and hotel pools are so small that the approach and entry are simultaneous. But over a great distance in open water, you may need to pace yourself to save energy. Flexibility, common sense, do con training and practice are more critical than life-saving than hard and fast rules ready position for final assessment before you make a final approach to the victim stop well out of reach prepare to reverse direction speak to the victim and reevaluate the situation you may still have important choices to make for instance the victim could have lost consciousness during your approach or he might tell you that he has hit his head at the bottom and he has no feeling in the legs
If you are not headed for shore as you begin your tow, gradually turn the direction of the nearest safe landing. Continue the rescue, reinsure the victim, and encourage him to kick. If the victim panics and tries to reach you, release the aid. Quickly move away and release the situation. As resume the tow only when it is safe to do so. Shirt Tail Rescue A shirt tail rescue is one example of a non-contact tow for a conscious victim using a device that does not float, such as a piece of clothing. Consider it only when the floating aid is not at hand. The following steps assume that you are fully clothed when you enter a rescue situation. First, evaluate the condition of the victim and plan the rescue. Consider a swimming rescue only after you have decided that reaching, throwing, and rowing rescues are not practical. Next, look for a floating aid. If none is available, determine if the victim is still conscious. A shirt tail rescue will not work if the victim is floating face down. Then, decide if conditions are such that you can safely enter the water. Do not do so if the water is very cold. A strong current is carrying the victim into danger and there are pounding waves. Move, the move to the location where you decided to enter the water and determine how much clothing to remove. It should take less than 20 seconds to take off everything, so time isn't normally a consideration. Start encouragement to the victim. Remove your shoes while unfastening your pants. Lower shoes can be removed by stepping on the heels. You may have to stoop to remove boots or high lace shoes. Run in place to work your pants down while removing your shirt. Watch the victim rather than the buttons. Hold your shirt in your teeth if you will be using it as an aid. Remove your pants by stepping out or pulling them off one leg at a time. Your socks will probably continue the same time. If not, leave them on. Consider next whether to use the pants or shirt as a rescue aid. A strong long sleeve shirt is probably easier to handle than just as long as a pair of pants. Jeans are probably better than a flimsy shirt. A short sleeve shirt is longer than a pair of shorts. Hold the clothing in your hand or between your teeth and make a safe entry into the water. Approach the victim carefully. Avoid any obstacles ahead of you or below the surface. Stop just before reaching the victim and prepare to reverse direction. Tell the victim what to do. Keep your voice firm and use short phrases. For example, I'll help. Grab this. Hold on. That's it. You're okay. Almost there. Hold one end of your garment and flip over the other for the victim. Aim for his shoulder. Remember, he might not be able to reach for it. When he has hold of it, put firmly enough to support the victim. But do not jerk the aid out of his hands. A side stroke with your towing arm extended is probably best. Tell the victim to keep his head up and lie flat on the surface. If the victim is calm enough, have him turn over on his back with the aid clutched to his chest. If the victim tries to grab you at any time, let go of the aid, back off, and reconsider your options. Don't forget that you may be able to lead him in under his own power. Consider a contact rescue as a last resort only after the victim is exhausted. Landing a conscious victim. The conscious victim probably can remove himself from the water once he is sure footing on the bottom or a firm on hold on the ladder. Choose a safe landing site before entering the water. In exceptional cases, such as a steep-sided quarry, you may both need help from others on shore. Ideally, arrange such aid before the rescue. When landing on a conscious victim, lower your legs to check the water depth, if you can do so without causing the victim to lose support. 
Natural bodies of water can be shallow for long distances from shore, and may be easier to walk through the shallow water than it is to swim. Shallow water assist. If the victim is exhausted, cold, or has trouble with his footing, help him ashore using a shallow water assist. While standing at his side, help him to stand up and place one arm around your neck and across your shoulder. Grasp the arm around his back, then walk slowly together to shore. If he is much longer than you are, you may need to ask others for aid. A second person can help from the other side. After care for a conscious victim. Once you reach safely, you make sure the victim gets appropriate first aid. You may need to offer advice to friends and family members waiting on shore. Even if the victim has remained conscious, he may need treatment for shock. If a medical condition led to the incident, strongly suggest that the victim get medical attention as soon as practical. If the victim shows signs of hypothermia, suggest that he be moved quickly to a warm place. Small children may be scared and will need reassurance, not scolding. A child's parent might be upset because of their own fright or panic. Try tactically to be as calming an influence of those all around you. If the victim was alone and is unknown to you, look for an adult in a position of authority. A hotel manager, park employee, or your parent, for example. Ask that person to see that the victim has access to care, can notify others, and has the adequate transportation home. Don't forget yourself. Wait for your own adrenaline rush to subside before going off on your own or doing anything that requires concentration, even crossing a busy street on foot. If you are cold, take the time to get dry and warm. Contact rescues for unconscious victims without spinal injury. Planning. Rescue options for unconscious victims are more limited. Throwing rescues and non-contact toes won't work. Speed is critical, but don't forget the basics. Cut out for all get someone or to call for medical help immediately. Consider the possibilities of awaiting assist. See if appropriate equipment is at hand. Check the water for hazards and decide how and where to enter and exit the water. Look for signs of spinal injury. Attempt to rescue only if it is safe to do so and if there are most qualified person. The rescue of an unconscious victim will always require contact. This may simply mean pulling the victim from a pool or using a shepherd's hook. For victims in deep water, a contact toe will be necessary, with or without a flotation device. Since some aids will be more useful than others, study the following materials carefully. Note that all the techniques except recovery from the bottom will be easier if the rescue wears a PFD. Entry and Approach The same entries and approach are used for an unconscious victim for the conscious victim. Always keep the victim in sight. Unconscious victims often submerge. If the victim is at the surface, call out and splash water on him to confirm that he is unconscious. Rescuers for an unconscious victim may be done from either side, either the front or the rear. Choose whatever is quicker and or better suited to a particular aid. Armpit Toe For Rear Approach the armpit toe is begun from the rear of an unconscious victim at or near the surface. Use one hand to grasp the victim under his armpit, keeping your thumb up and on the outside. Your right hand goes to the right armpit or your left hand in the left armpit. Pull back with your arm and immediately begin swimming to shift the victim from a face down to a face up position. It may take a few strong strokes using both legs and a free arm to pull the victim onto his back. Once the victim is fairly level, continue to shore with your towing arm extended. Be sure to keep the victim's face out of the water. If the victim is large, you may find it easier to pull him onto his back if you grasp both armpits and lean backwards while using a whip kick. 
If safe, if safety is only a short distance away, continue with a double armpit toe, such as the toe requires a stronger, well-developed kick. Once the victim is level, it may be quicker and less tiring to shift the single armpit toe. Thank you for joining us on this life-saving journey through the Scouting God podcast. We hope that you find this exploration of the life-saving merit badge informative, inspiring, and empowering. Remember, the skills and knowledge you have gained from the book can truly make a difference in critical situations. As a scout, you now are equipped to handle emergencies and save lives. Whether it is at home, in your community, or during outdoor adventures, the lessons you've learned here will serve you well. Keep practicing and honing your life-saving skills. Train regularly with your fellow scouts and always be prepared to lend a helping hand when needed. Your commitment to being a responsible, capable, and compassionate individual will not only make you a valuable asset to your scout troop, but also will have a positive influence on those around you. As you continue your scouting journey, don't forget to live by the scout law and oath, and embrace the values of being trustworthy, helpful, brave, and kind. Together, let's create a world where every scout is prepared to take on any challenge that comes their way. We'll be back soon with more exciting episodes, delving into various other merit badges, and scouting adventures. Until then, stay safe, stay prepared, and keep exploring the wonders of the scouting world. Thank you for tuning in to the Scouting Guide podcast, and remember, you have the power to save lives.